Friends, as you as we read from Acts chapter one, uh, we'll be doing. I know uh, Pastor Kyle is preaching to Philippians, and you're walking through verse by verse. So we'll be doing an overview sermon, overview of what the Lord has done. So we read about Acts chapter one about Jesus saying, "Wait for the Father's promise," and the the early church they waited for the Father's promise. And, uh, and from there, and we were thinking, like, is that Father's promise just in the New Testament? Or it's there in the Old Testament? So we'll, we'll quickly, we'll see a big overview and see how much God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises, and we will see the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel changing people's life. Yeah? So, so as I told, my wife and myself, we, we both worked with the lepers for six years. It was a joy just to serve the lepers. I know many of you visited leprosy homes, and, uh, and you have seen their condition, how the leprosy patients, they live. So some of them, so this was like way back, even if today, if, if you visit the leprosy homes, some people, they are staying there for the last 50 years, 60 years. Because when they were young, when they were very young, like 10 years old, 11 years old, 9 years old, when the parents, own parents, realize that my son is having leprosy, my daughter is having leprosy, basically they said, please leave this house and go and stay somewhere else. So during that time, the leprosy mission, like many of you have been to India, an Irish teacher from Ireland, he visited North India on a short-term missions. Short-term missions. And he saw these leprosy patients sitting on next to the roadside, and they were almost like in a dying situation. And he saw them he said, I want to share the love of Christ with them. I want to share the gospel with them. So that's how he started Leprosy Mission, and he came back and he shared with his friends, today there are 18 hospitals and more than 40 projects serving the lepers. So, but uh, these patients, they are there in these leprosy homes. Day and night, they're spending their time there, their last days there. But some of them, like people like you, went there and shared the gospel and the staff there sharing the gospel. Some of them became believers. In spite of, if you see, some, if you see the patients, some of them, they don't have fingers. You know, sometimes they sit in front of the fire and, uh, and they don't realize that their fingers will burn. And later on, they'll see like, oh, look at this. So, but in spite of all the suffering they're going through, these leprosy patients, some of them, they're praising God. They're praising God. You see, it's so beautiful. No fingers, but they open their mouth and they sing praises to God. Sing praises to God. So, because they trusted in God's promises and they trusted in Jesus Christ they realized this is our temporary home, 
this is not going to permanent. One day we will be with, with Christ. So like that, even now, there are, there are so many brothers and sisters all around the world. They're facing persecution. They're facing problems from their own family and community. But in spite of all those things, they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing. So in Matthew 28, chapter 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. So these promises are ours as well. Even for us, as we gather as a church this morning. So no matter what trials we face, Christ never leaves us. He is the living God. He is interceding for us. He is watching over us. He's pleading that we will walk with him. We will see him one day. So, but the question is, do we trust God's promises? Do we trust the power of the gospel? When life hurts, do we lean on God or do we lean on our own understanding? So this morning we'll be looking briefly at the book of Acts. Book of Acts. It's, uh, it is undisputed that Luke was the author of, author of Acts as of Luke's gospel. And it's basically it's written in early 16, probably before the death of Paul. The main purpose of writing this book, the book of Acts, to show that Lord Jesus remained faithful to his purpose of dying and rising again as these purposes are worked out in the establishment of the early church. So in both the books, in, in book of Acts and in Gospel of Luke, we see the ministry of the Spirit and we see people praying, we see God's interest for the outcast, and also we see the spread of gospel. We see the spread of gospel. We read, we read from Acts, Acts uh, chapter 1. Uh, the basic outline, we see the gospel work in Jerusalem from chapter 1 to chapter 7. And, and, and from chapter 8 to chapter 12, we see all Judea to Samaria. And we see gospel spreading to the ends of the earth from chapter 13 to 28. But I, I highly encourage you, it will take two hours to read the whole book of Acts. Maybe today, I challenge you, today after church, when you go home, sit for a couple of hours and just read. You see the wonderful work of God. You see the gospel spreading. Like, oh, you will be amazed. So I, I highly uh, encourage you to read. So, so there are three things I want to, I want to pay attention to. The first thing is the early church trusted God's promises and his plan. The early church trusted God's promises and his plan. And then the early church preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The early church preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, they prayed and prayed and sacrificed everything, even their own life, for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. So the early church trusted God's promises and his plan. And the early church, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, they prayed and they sacrificed everything for the sake of the gospel. So if you look at the promises, so in the Old Testament, God promised. God promised. We see throughout the Old Testament, God's promises. 
And in the New Testament, you see God fulfilling those promises through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, in Genesis, God created man and put him into the Garden of Eden. He wanted to live a godly life, godly life with a perfect relationship with God. That's how God created Adam and Eve. And he said, like, and God used to visit them, talk to them, and they had a perfect relationship. But man disobeyed God. The first humans, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God and they doubted God's goodness. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see this, this shadow of gospel promise. Gospel promise, the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman, that one day this Messiah will come and save this world. And Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God and they were separated from God because of their sin, because of their sin, disobedience. And then Noah, if you see Noah, man kept on sinning, obeying Satan instead of God. So God destroyed all people except Noah and his family. I hope you remember when Noah and his family, when they were building the ark, some people laughed. Some people, are, oh, these people are crazy. What are they doing? Recently, a couple of weeks back, I was in Ireland. When we were talking about Jesus, one guy, he was laughing. He was laughing. And what happened? The consequences of laughing. During those days, during Noah's days, they were all destroyed. But the Lord saved the righteous family, Noah and his family. Then by the time of Abraham, almost all the people were bad again. But God made a promise to Abraham that he would become the father of great nation. People are chosen by God. And then Abraham's son, Isaac, and his grandson Jacob had the same promise. When Jacob's son Joseph became the governor of Egypt, Jacob and his tribe moved to Egypt. For about 400 years, they lived peacefully until Pharaoh decided to make them his slaves. And now under Moses, the people of Israel left Egypt and lived in the wilderness for 40 years. They conquered the land under the leadership of Joshua, which God has promised to them, and lived under judges for 300 years. You see, slowly, God has been so faithful to his people. They were obeying and disobedient, disobedience. Obey and disobedience. So, but God did not leave them. When the judges was old, the people of Israel demanded a king. And now like, Lord, we need a king. And Saul, he became the first king of Israel. But he did not obey God. The next king, David, he tried his best to please God. He tried his best to please God. So this was the, the golden age of Israel, Israel's kingdom. But David's son, Solomon, was a wise king, but he loved luxury and foreign wives. And he disobeyed God. And he basically built altars to other gods instead of the living God. 
Then Solomon's son, Rehob, tried to live like his father, but the people rebelled and split the kingdom into two parts, Israel and Judah. As the new kings came to the throne, both parts were divided, and it became weaker and weaker, and they were all conquered, and the people were carried away by other people. So some of, people, some of the people, they came back home years later, but they were conquered by the Greeks and later by the Romans. But tired of this conquered people, these people, they cried out for the Messiah. They cried out for the Messiah. Do you see the story, the connections? But in midst of all these things, God is faithful to his promises. But when the Messiah came, they did not recognize him. Even though God spoke from heaven, this is my beloved son, but they would not believe in him. They would not believe. Jesus did many miracles, healing, and even raising people from the dead, but still people would not believe. But at the last time, time came when Jesus was crucified by his enemies. Then according to God's plan, he rose from the dead and appeared to many people. Later, he rose from the earth to return to heaven. Friends, if you have your Bibles, please open with me Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Verses 44 to 49. Verses 44 to 49. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. Jesus, best Jesus, appears to his disciples and he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. It's so beautiful. So from Genesis, we saw the promise in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And from there on, the Lord is fulfilling his promises. And now in Luke, he's saying, it's all about me. It's all about Christ. So it's, it's amazing. But in, in Acts, if you compare in, in Acts chapter 1 and then Luke chapter 24, you see, you see the, the Father's promise, sending the Holy Spirit. So then the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were changed. They were changed. They were praising God. They were praising God. Friends, God is sovereign Lord of history. He is a faithful God. Things happen in fulfillment of his plan. Things happen in fulfillment of his plan. We can see the faithfulness of God. And now once 
the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the second thing, what they did, they preached the gospel. They preached the gospel. They did not preach something else. They did not share their own experiences. But they preached. They preached the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you see Peter standing. If you, see, if you read Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, Peter basically, he stood before them and he was boldly preaching. But do you guys remember? Before that, Peter, how many times he denied Jesus? How many times? Three times. One small little girl, he, she said, oh, you're with him. You're with Jesus. And he was like, no. I don't know him. But the father filled them with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, standing in front of them, he was preaching the gospel to them. If you read book of Acts, we see the apostles, Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter, preaching the gospel again and again. What are they preaching? They're preaching. If you have your Bibles, please look at me with Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. Peter saying these words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and you killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not impossible for him to be held by it. You see, throughout the book of Acts, you see Paul and Peter and others preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God. If you see in Hebrews 9.27, it is written, Man is destined to die once, and after that he has to face judgment. And after that he has to face judgment. But what happened after the fall, basically Romans chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, we, we read, No one is righteous. No one is seeking God. That was our condition. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we were enemies. We were enemies to God. Can we stand before this righteous and holy God? There is no way. There is no way. Because God created, God created everything very good. And he looked at it and said, like, yes, this is so good. But as we've seen, Adam and Eve, they doubted God's goodness. They trusted on themselves instead of God. Instead of submitting to God's rule, they said, like, God, we don't need you. We can rule our own lives. So that's how they separated and became enemies to God. But in midst of all these things, in midst of all these things, we cannot stand 
before a holy and righteous God. But God sent his only son to this world. He lived a perfect life. He lived a righteous life, a sinless life. And ultimately, he died on the cross for our sins. And he took God's wrath upon him so that we might have life. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And friends, now what? In the book of Acts, if you see, the people heard this message, and they were cut to heart, and they said, like, what shall we do to save? What shall we do? Where shall we go? And Peter, repent your sins and trust in Jesus and be baptized. Repent your sins. Ask forgiveness from God. No matter if you committed like thousand sins, God is willing to forgive your sins. Friends, God's hands are wide open, wide open, wide open. So you can live, we all can live. You know, God, we don't need you. I can run my life. Friends, there are consequences. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. If you, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I beg you. It's a great opportunity. We don't know after this, maybe after 1 o'clock or 12 o'clock as we finish this service, how many are going to live. There is no guarantee for life. There is no guarantee for life. So, if you repent your sin, if you ask forgiveness from God, the consequences, all our sins are washed away. And our Lord is willing to forgive our sins. One day, one day, when we stand before him, before him, we can be confident of what Christ did on the cross. But we need to fear today not that day. But if you're like, oh, no, I don't care, your sins won't be forgiven, and one day you'll be standing in front of the righteous church. There is heaven, there is hell. So, but this, this, this son of God, the son of God, the author of life, gave his life for ourselves so that we might have life Life incomplete. So the apostles, the apostles, even from the early church, the believers, they gathered. They gathered. They, they carefully listened to the word of God. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They prayed. They prayed and prayed and prayed. What happened? The Lord added to their numbers. And finally, finally, they prayed and they sacrificed everything, even, even to their lives, even to their lives. So if you read, if you read Acts chapter, chapter 2, verse 42, verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the believers, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. So the early church, they trusted God's promises and plans. We, we, have, we, we just seen in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaching, according to the foreknowledge of God, these things were happened. They trusted God's promises and plans. And once the Father fulfilled his promise, sending the Holy Spirit, they preached the uncompromising gospel to the world. To the world. They did not. They did not add anything. They did not saying like, oh, you do this, you'll be received blessings. They did not say anything. They clearly preached the gospel. They clearly preached the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And number three, they prayed. They prayed. So in midst of all these things, the early church, they were facing persecution. They were facing opposition. And even internally, they were facing hypocrisy. And in midst of all these things, friends, we see the gospel going and going. So I just want to briefly read the summary statements in Acts. If, you have, if you're taking notes, please, you can write, feel free, or if not, please read through the book of Acts, and you'll see the, the spread of gospel. So Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Greatly in Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 9, verse 31, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, and being built up, and being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied, it multiplied. And again, in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. You see the gospel growing. Gospel growth, we see the gospel growth in Acts chapter 16. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Increased in numbers daily. And Acts, finally Acts 28. Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance. Friends, God is actively bringing about the fulfillment of his plan, of plan. It is an unstoppable gospel. In midst of all persecution, in midst of all suffering, gospel is growing, gospel is growing. Even today, brothers and sisters, I told you, like they're facing so many problems, but can anyone stop God? Can anyone stop this powerful God? No way, no way. So all the apostles, all the apostles, they gave their life, life for the sake of the gospel, and they changed the world upside down. If you read church history, there are so many people, so many people gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. Time flies very fast, very fast. Time flies very fast. Our lives are here 
one moment, one moment, and gone next, and gone next. So this is why the Bible compares our lifespan with grass, with grass and with vapor, with vapor. But sadly, world is more excited about things that will not matter in eternity. We, we are seeing this world. If you go to some people and say like, hey, I'm a Christian, I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people, they will laugh at you, or already you might experience, they laughed at you. You know, they are more excited about the things of the world. They are more excited about their own comforts. That's the world we live in. But Matthew Henry once said, it ought to be the business of every day to prepare for our last day. It ought to be the business of every day, every day to prepare for our last day. And Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, there are two days on my calendar, today and that day. Today and the day of judgment. Honestly, the day is coming when all that will really matter is how you and I lived our lives for the sake of eternity. For the sake of eternity. God is watching over us, and God is, our Lord Jesus Christ, is pleading with the Father, and he is preparing a room for us. But friends, it matters how we live today, how we live in today. There are so many millions of people, whether in, the, in, in different places, in different places, they, they did not hear the gospel. They did not, you, many of you are very well aware of this. And even in your own town, own town, even in your own country, there are so many people, they haven't heard the gospel. The world from that side, from east, is coming towards west. If you don't love the strangers, and if you are not taking initiative and going and opening your mouth and sharing the gospel, who else will go? We can be comfortable staying in this church building and seeing the same faces every Sunday and say, hello, that's great, praise the Lord. But friends, as this is a new church plant, I saw this Wednesday in that room, people pleading for this community. Your elders praying for members. Your elders praying, members are praying for this community and to the world that the gospel, gospel will reach to the ends of the earth. Friends, that's, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. And even this morning, just singing the songs, praising God, we are hearing the cross of Christ again and again and again. But friends, we got to do more than that. I'll tell you, if we, as a followers of Jesus Christ, if we are not opening our mouths, there are two things happening in this world. Two things happening in this world. Number one, there are false teachers very active in this world. False teachers, more than we, I went, uh, so la I told you, 10 days back I was in Ireland, 
Basically, what we did is we went, we did door-to-door -door evangelism. We went to the streets, and we said, like, hey, hello, we are from this place. We want to tell you something. So, oh, that one guy, one shopkeeper, he said, like, oh, please tell me. And he said, like, yeah, I'm from so-and-so church. Would you like to hear about Jesus Christ? And he showed, he showed me one paper, like, showing, the, oh, this morning I got this from different people. I said, can I see? And he showed me, and it's about the Jehovah Witnesses. The false teachers are very, very active. So it's our responsibility to go and explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to strangers and the lost people. And the second thing, people are dying. People are dying. In South Asia, I think I was reading, I think per day, I, I forgot the exact number, but thousands of people are dying without hearing the gospel, without hearing the gospel. So finally, friends, before concluding, I want to tell you, so when we say we trust in God, we trust in his promises, do we really mean it? When I was, so I, I shared brief about myself. My dad gave a lot of hopes, a lot of hopes. So like, oh, I'll build this house, I'll build this farmhouse and all. Once he disappeared, everything was gone. But praise God, praise God, First, first Peter chapter one, verse three, Praise God to our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who, who saved us and also who gave us uh, eternal hope through his resurrection and also he promised an inheritance for us which will never perish. So that's, that's ultimate. That's ultimate. So what I learned from all these days, if we trust people, we can. It's, we have to trust people. But if we trust people more than God, we will face disappointment. But trusting God, you are never going to be disappointed. That's ultimate. Let's pray.